Paid social media is a tough nut to crack, but once you manage to make it work, it can become a lucrative and dependable source of traffic and revenue for your podcast and business. Now, I personally have not yet been able to get to the meat of that particular nut, but a recent guest expert on our strategy and networking calls and a speaker in next week's podcasting for business conference, Stacy Reed of Stacy Zeal and Co., has. She is the expert and she teaches other people how to do it too. I know I cannot wait to take her training very, very soon. Stacy is a strategic marketing consultant and Facebook ads expert who teaches CEOs how to make more money, gain their time back, and rapidly increase their visibility to impact the world. She joined us for an in-depth conversation about the technical and the strategic elements of Facebook ads. I got so much out of this conversation, everything from what a pixel really is, how it works, and how to get it onto your site, to all the different types of campaigns that you can run using the different Facebook ads and Instagram ads features for different business or podcast-related purposes. This was such a rich and valuable conversation that we decided to run it here on the company show as well so that you could take advantage of it. Really, it was one of the most illuminating discussions I'd ever had about the topic, and I absolutely believe you are going to enjoy it. It is happening here right now on The Company Show. I hope you enjoy. Podcasting to support your business is completely different than podcasting as a business or even a hobby. Whether you need more clients, more attention, or more engagement, you need to maximize the real measurable results in your business as efficiently as possible. The Company Show will bring you the strategies, the tactics, and the expert insight to make it a whole lot easier. Here's your host, Megan Doherty. Stacey, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Now, I'd love if you can just start things off. We talked a little bit before we hit record about how you basically figured out how to use Facebook ads to promote and grow your podcast by user testing it on yourself. And I'd just love to hear a little bit about that journey and how you did it. It's interesting because it's like I've always been someone that I want to be able to create something once and then figure out how can I get the most eyeballs on it. My brain does not like to create new, 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 new all the time. We're in a content world, so we have to create new content for sure. But I remember just thinking, oh my gosh, this episode was so good and it did not get as many downloads as I was hoping that it would get or so many people just need to hear this episode. It's just so, so good. And then also being an ads expert, my background is in marketing. I've been in marketing for 11 years. I led paid social at Zappos. And so I was really immersed in Facebook ads, Instagram ads, TikTok ads, all the different ad platforms on some of the social networks. And that's what I teach. And that's what I talk about in my business. And I really started to think about how can I use ads and podcasts together? Because volume is my specialty. So being able to say like, I want to drive volume to particular offers or to particular things. Then I started to think, how can I use what I'm creating on my podcast to then help me to generate business? Because kind of give you the context of how I use my podcast in my marketing, because it helps you to understand how the ads come into play. So my podcast is primarily nurture content. I get a lot of people who love to listen to my podcast. And my goal with my podcast is to nurture people until they are ready to become clients. I post a lot of content about ads, about marketing strategy, about business strategy, those kinds of things. When I started to think about how can I use ads to amplify this or to accelerate my podcast, I started to think about how I can use it to generate leads because that's really what I need for my business. We all, as business owners, if you are someone who is looking to get like brand deals and things like that, this may not be super applicable and there are other ways you can use ads. But the way that I use them is to generate leads. Where I start with it is using it as a nurture content. But then I started to think, how can I use this as lead generation? 
What I typically do is I like to create series on my podcast. So I'll create, for example, a series about marketing funnels because that's one of the things I found. Like I have a course on Facebook ads. And when I did a promotion last time, I found that some, I was asking people like, okay, well, why didn't you sign up? And some people were saying like, oh, I don't have a marketing funnel, so I can't run ads. And I'm like, oh, really? I can teach you how to run market. I can teach you how to do a marketing funnel. I can show you this. <laughs> and so I created a series of my podcasts about key elements of marketing funnels, helping people to understand that they already probably have a funnel if they're creating content. If you're a podcaster, you typically have a funnel. You just haven't really maybe set it up yet or defined it yet. So I created that series and then I published some of my podcasts. I took those episodes and I just put them into a PDF guide that just says like, hey, here are four episodes that will help you to create a marketing funnel. I put like a little workbook in there. I pulled something out of my course and I put it in there. And then I use that as a lead magnet because now I had to realize that people listen to my podcast and then they become clients. So they like to binge my podcast. They like to consume my episodes. That's where people go when they are really kind of in that place where they're like, I want to work with Stacy, but maybe I'm not ready yet. And I thought, how can I take this nurture content and also turn it into a lead generator? That's really kind of been the journey for me. It's like, one, figuring out running ads to individual episodes. It's running ads to series and like you know, taking those episodes and repurposing that content into a lead magnet. Those are the ways that I've been typically using podcasts. And then I run ads to those things. I run ads to the individual episodes. I run ads to the lead magnets as a series. If you are a business owner and you need to generate leads and you are creating podcast episodes also as a part of your nurture content, you can absolutely take that and put that into a series. Another lead magnet that I had that did really, really well, especially when I was just starting out, I had created a private podcast series where I worked with someone who would help me outline each episode. I used Hello Audio as the private podcast distributor, but then I ran ads to it, <laughs> like running ads to that actual private podcast. Those kinds of things I think are really, really effective because people are searching for specific information, especially with podcasts. You can really give people a well-rounded picture. You can give people one episode, but if you can give people a three or four episodes that paints that full picture for them, then that's really, really impactful. And then that, you just use that as a lead generator and run ads to it. It sounds like then a whole bunch of different ads that are running to kind of different areas of your business is the individual episodes. And when you run an ad to an episode, is it an episode that kind of exists as a blog post on your site? Or are you running ads to a podcast player? I always recommend that you put your podcast on your site because one, if you're running ads to a podcast player, your Facebook pixel is not going to be able to pick up on that because your Facebook pixel is what you can install on properties that you own. So like your website, I can't go and install my pixel on Apple's podcast player, for example. If you're running ads just directly to the podcast player, Facebook is not able to receive those signals to see like, is this person actually doing something there? Because your pixel operates like a bridge between Facebook and your website. And so it's always sending signals back and forth. Facebook is sending someone to your website saying, what do they do? Do they take the desired action? If they do, that's great. Then Facebook's going to say, oh, well, Susan took the desired action. So we're going to find more people like Susan. If Susan does not take the desired action, which is, you know, going to the landing page and downloading something or whatever the action is, then it'll also send that signal back to say, like, Susan did not take the desired action. So it's like, let's find people who are not like Susan, or maybe Susan is not in our target audience. So let's find people who are different than Susan. Facebook is always building a profile of who your people are. So you want to make sure that your podcast episodes are posted on your site and you're actually sending ad traffic to your site so that you can get an accurate read on the data. I love that. SEO also helps. So <laughs> SEO very much helps. Yes. Thank you for explaining the pixel so well, because I know that's one of the things at least I found it a little hard to wrap my head around how the pixel works, what it's tracking, how it needs to be configured. But looking at it as a bridge that just kind of provides the information is really, really valuable. So 
Have you noticed kind of in your experience with their clients and the work that you did, there are particular niches that do better or that do worse with a Facebook ad strategy or are kind of particular business areas that are better for it? I haven't run across too many niches that I would say don't work with Facebook ads. But what you have to think about is where are your clients or the people who you're trying to reach making their buying decisions about your type of offer or your type of business? For example, I do have a podcast that talks to HR professionals, right? Maybe your podcast helps HR professionals do their job better. They're probably not making their purchasing decisions about HR-related stuff on Facebook. They probably were making those decisions on LinkedIn because that's where it's a more professional site. It's where they're actually in the mindset of business. But that's not to say that your clients aren't also using Facebook. And also, because like, you know, think about how I know for myself and a lot of people that I come in contact with, I use Facebook, I use Instagram, I use LinkedIn, I use Twitter, I use all the different social platforms. But the mind frame that I'm in in each of them when I'm on them are, is different. When I'm on LinkedIn, I'm looking at more professional things. I'm expecting it to be a little bit more of a professional platform. On Facebook, there is a little bit more of a social element there. You know, like my Facebook page is all business for sure. So it's not that, you know, I don't do business on Facebook and most of my business comes from Facebook. But when I'm going on Facebook, if you're thinking about your customers, if you're helping people with weight loss, for example, are they going on Facebook? Are they going on Instagram to find that kind of information? Are they following weight loss influencers? Are they following those kinds of pages? Is that kind of stuff that they're actually consuming on that platform? What you want to think about is not necessarily your specific niche. It's more so like, where are your customers and your clients? If you're trying to get brand deals, for example, you may want to be heavily on Instagram because that's where a lot of brands are going and looking for content creators on Instagram because that's where their clients are. I used to work at Zappos and I led paid social there. We were heavy on Instagram. We were heavy on Facebook. We weren't doing too much on LinkedIn. LinkedIn was more so for different corporate verticals. We had like Zappos at work that was all about making those connections with people who are like own warehouses so that way we can, you know, give their people discounts on specific shoes. If you need steel toe shoes, for example, you can figure out different facets of your business that may fit on different channels. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, think about where your consumers or the people who are consuming your podcast, where are they making purchasing decisions about your types of offers? And that's where you want to make sure that you are showing up. I wouldn't say it's not like niche specific because there's a lot of different niches that can work on Facebook and Instagram. And there's a lot of different people who use Facebook and Instagram. Facebook has 2.9 billion monthly active users. If you're telling me that your people aren't on Facebook, it's like, I mean, out of 2.9 billion people, it's like you're telling me nobody and none of your people are using Facebook. Okay. <laughs> but it's really about figuring out when it comes to your type of service or your type of product, where are they making their purchasing decisions? And that's where you want to make sure that you're showing up. I like that. It's like with everything else in podcasting, it depends. Depends on your business. And marketing depends. I know the people hate when they talk to marketers and they say, well, it depends. So just swinging back to the Facebook pixel just for a moment, does it also work with Instagram? Like, is it the same pixel? So because Meta owns both Instagram and Facebook, you actually would just need one Facebook pixel and that will pick up your signals and send that back to Instagram and Facebook. One of the great things about running Facebook ads is that you do get two channels in one because you can run the exact same campaign, exact same budget, exact same creative to Facebook and Instagram and Messenger and WhatsApp because Facebook owns those other channels as well. And it would just come out of the same budget pool. So you really are getting two channels for one. And what Facebook is going to do is it's going to show you an ad on the platform that you're most likely to convert on. You get on Facebook, you see an ad, and then you may see a similar ad from the same person on Instagram or an ad that's like, you know, maybe a different variation of that ad on Instagram. It's going to show you the ad based on the platform that it thinks that you're going to most likely to convert on. 
that's one of the things I love about Facebook is that you get both Facebook and Instagram for really just essentially the price of one. You mentioned budget, and that's a really big one. So a couple of questions around that. And the first is, how much should somebody expect to spend both in time and in money before learning this isn't working? Basically, what's a good trial experimental budget to just get a sense of whether or not it's worth pursuing more aggressively? One, it really, one, it depends on what your goals are. And it really depends on what your sales cycle is. For example, I get people who come to me and say, hey, Stacey, I started running an ad and it didn't convert in two weeks and I didn't get any sales in two weeks. So now Facebook ads don't work for me. Well, how long is your sales cycle? My sales cycle is three months. Okay, well, if your sales cycle is three months, why are you expecting people to convert after two weeks? <laughs> That's something that you have to understand. People tend to sit on my email list for at least three or four months before they buy from me. That is what I use as my time frame to measure it. When I was working at Zappos, we are expecting people to buy something that day or the next day. We have a very short sales cycle. Either you want the Nikes or you don't. Those kinds of things that we were measuring success based on one or two day sales cycle. So one, it's about understanding what your sales cycle is for your particular type of products or for your particular services. The second thing that you have to keep in mind is that when you're starting out, especially with a fresh ad account, your Facebook, they don't have a whole lot of data about what works for you. Facebook is always, is the more you run ads, the more efficient your ads are going to be because Facebook is taking all that data and putting it into like a container. And it's saying like, okay, these are the people who convert for Stacey. These are when Stacey runs ads. She typically talks about these kinds of things. These are the people who typically convert for her. So they're building a profile of your people. So you want to make sure that you're looking at it from a sense of like Facebook ads are a long-term strategy. They're not something that you put a dollar in, you're going to get a dollar right out right away. But if you are someone who has an email list, then you can appreciate the value of having a lot more people on your email list, especially a lot more targeted people, because that's the one thing, great thing with Facebook ads is that you can really target people. Like if your clients are small business owners, you can target small business owners. So you fill your email list with a lot of people who are actually in your target audience. If you are someone who also sends your podcast out via email, that means that you get more people that are seeing your podcast, more people who are in your world. As far as time frame wise, I like to tell people, I think anything in marketing, you need to give it at least three months to see if it's going to work for you. Give it three or four months because there's a lot of testing that goes into Facebook ads to figure out like what strategy works, what doesn't work. There's a lot of receiving a whole lot of data. And that's the great thing about Facebook ads also is that you get a ton of data. You get a lot more data than you get from just the podcast analytics mm -hmm. that you get. You get a lot more data than what you get from organic marketing. And so if you're able to actually run some ads and you're able to receive the signals and say like, okay, this is working, this was not working, that's a part of the process is figuring out what works, what doesn't work. So give yourself at least 90 days, give yourself three or four months to really figure out if something's working for you. The next thing I would say as far as budgets, Facebook ads are very, very flexible when it comes to budget because how they charge you is by cost per impression. Google ads and some of the other platforms are charging you by clicks. They're saying you're paying $2 every time somebody clicks on your ad. But Facebook charges you based on how many thousand people have seen your actual ad. So it'll say like, you're paying $5 for a thousand people to see this. So if you're thinking about it in that way, and a thousand people is not a lot of people when it comes to Facebook. If you think about it, there's 2.9 billion monthly active users on the site. If you're spending $5 a day and your cost per impression is a thousand, is $5, then you're only getting a thousand people to see your ad a day, or you're only getting a thousand impressions a day. That's not really a whole lot of people, especially if you're thinking about how big of a pool the audience is. So I like to tell people, I like to spend a minimum of $15 a day. Then that helps you to be able to get some data. The costs are very controlled. You can always turn things off immediately in Facebook. If something's not working, you can just turn it right off. So $15 a day is a minimum that I like to spend. 
because that gives you space to be able to get some data in, get your ads seen by people, especially during Q4 work. Your costs are a lot higher because there's a lot more competition. Everybody's trying to run ads during this period of the year. So your cost per impressions is going to be high. It's going to be a lot higher than it typically would be throughout the rest of the year. You have to kind of account for those kinds of things. And what is the cost? What is Facebook charging you to get in front of your people? How much competition is fighting for that audience? Business owners, for example, there's a lot of people trying to target business owners. So if there's a lot of people trying to target business owners, that means the costs go up. $15 a day minimum, somewhere between $250 to $500 a month if you're thinking about a monthly budget as a minimum. But what I do also like to tell people about budgets is that you have to start to look at your marketing and create an expense line for your marketing. A percentage of your revenue should be allocated to marketing. For example, with me, I follow the Profit First system, which is a great book for teaching you how to balance your money and stuff like that. When I started to look at that and when I started to do that, I allocate how much I pay myself as a percentage. I allocate how much profit I want to have as a percentage. I figured out what my expenses are based on what percentage my expenses are of my revenue. And then I figure out, okay, what's left? For me, I allocate about 5% of my monthly revenue to my marketing and to my ads because that is a percentage that works for me, meaning that I can spend that and still be able to pay myself, still be able to make profit and all that kind of good stuff. If you're someone who's making $10,000 a month, $20,000 a month in revenue, $500 might not actually give you enough volume for you to actually be able to see something that's working, especially if you're making, you know, a 20, 30, 40, 50K a month. $500 is really not just going to be a drop in the bucket for you. If you're just starting out and you're really trying to play around and figure out what's going on here, then yeah, $500, $250 a month actually is a good budget for you. But if you're making over $10,000 a month, then you really need to start allocating a percentage of that revenue to your marketing so that way you can actually give it a fair comparison. Oh, that's amazing data. I had no idea that about Q4 and how that mm-hmm. made such a difference to the prices. And I'd love to dig more into one of the things you said. You talked about how with Facebook, you're paying per impressions. If I'm remembering correctly, that's kind of one of the many possible kind of conversion types you can set an ad for. Is impressions better than, say, like clicks through or opt-ins on a landing page? I know that's another thing you can try to get is like actual signups. Why is impressions your favorite one? Impressions is more so just how Facebook is going to bill you. That's what they're billing you a certain dollar amount for a thousand impressions. Regardless of how you set your campaign up, they're still going to charge you by impressions. And based on the objective that you could, what you're talking about is our objectives. Essentially, Facebook has been able to bucket its users based on their behavior. It can say like, Alexandra is more likely to become a lead or Stacy is more likely someone who's going to make a purchase or Megan is more likely going to be someone who's just going to double tap and keep scrolling. She's not going to leave the platform. She's just going to like, comment and share. And then she's going to keep on scrolling. So it's able to kind of bucket people that way. And then that's what's going to determine your objective. When you select a lead generation objective, for example, Facebook is going to show your ad to people who are more likely to become a lead. Or if you pick sales, it's going to show it to people who are more likely to make a purchase. Even can go just traffic where it's like people who are more likely to just go to the landing page, let it load, and then they don't actually sign up for something, but they actually do go to the landing page. So there are so many different objectives that you can choose. I typically use a lead generation objective when I'm running ads to my podcast because that's my goal. My goal is to generate leads. And the way that I structure my podcast on my website, I have lead magnets in there. So I'll say, for example, when we were talking a little bit earlier, like I'll take a podcast series that I have. I just did a series on funnels, on marketing funnels. I took that. I took all four episodes and they had published in the podcast land, right? So you can go to my podcast player and you can find the episodes. But I wanted to make it easy for people to say like, I'm interested in marketing funnels. Here, just give me all your content on marketing funnels. So I created like a little 
PDF that just has a link to each episode in there. And I have like a little workbook that goes with it as well. I run lead generation ads to that because I want people who are more likely to sign up to become leads. I rarely use a traffic objective because I don't want just people to go to my website. I want people to actually go there, stay, wait for it to load and actually sign up for something. Because my ultimate goal is to get people on my email list. And, you know, Mm -hmm. like email, especially if you're a podcaster, I get most of my downloads when I send out an email saying, hey, I have a new podcast episode that comes out. And so my goal with my business is to grow my email list exponentially because I find that most of my revenue comes from my email whenever I'm doing any kind of like promotions. So that's why I typically use a lead generation objective. But if you think about lead generation is going to cost less than sales because sales is a higher objective, a higher purchase intent. So Facebook is going to charge you more for your cost per impression for sales than they are going to charge you for leads. Traffic is going to be even less expensive to run because people are just going there and they're just checking it out. It doesn't require a commitment. The costs are going to fluctuate based on time of year, based on how much competition is for your audience, based on the objective that you use. All of that stuff kind of goes into the factor of cost. And Facebook doesn't actually tell us specifically like, oh, we charge this for lead generation. We charge this for sales. We charge this for... They don't tell us how much they're going to charge. Those kind of things do impact the cost. And so would you always use a lead generation? You've got landing pages and opt-ins to your funnels where you're directing traffic to from Facebook, but also for, for a single episode, would you use traffic or would you use lead generation or does the place you're directing people impact the objective that you choose when you're setting up your ads? What impacts the objective you choose is the ultimate result that you want to happen. My ultimate result is I want people to consume my podcast and want to be on my email list. That's why I run lead generation campaigns. And I also have things that are like pop-ups on my site that says like, would you like to join our email list? I'll send you my top five episodes. All of the things on my site are set up to really kind of collect leads Mm -hmm. because that's how I feed my business. That's how I make sales is from leads. If you are trying to get a brand deal and your brand deals are coming from how many downloads you get or how many listeners Mm -hmm. you get, then you might want to do a traffic objective because you want people to just kind of go to your website and really need them to become a lead, but you really want them to go to the site. Maybe you do want them to listen to your podcast player on your site. Or they go to your site, they see your podcast player and you have your buttons down that says listen on Apple and they go and listen on Apple. Really depends on what your business objectives are. So because my objective is to get leads, that's why I set my pages up the way that I do to really kind of get those people onto my email list. And then I have like a welcome series that comes behind us like, oh, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Here are my top five episodes, top five downloaded episodes or things that I think are most relevant to anybody who lands on a particular page. Sometimes I have lead generators on there where I'm like, hey, you know, get the companion guide that goes with this series. So like if I do a series, I always create some kind of worksheet or something that goes with it that includes a link to each episode. And on there, I have a pop-up that says like, would you want the companion guide to go to this episode? Add your information here and I'll send it to you. So it really kind of depends on what is your objective as a business with this particular episode. And that's going to determine how you set it up. So you have a digital product, for example, that you're promoting in your podcast episode and you have some sales checkout or something on your page, then you want to run some sales objectives because then it's going to show get people to your site who are more likely to complete the purchase. If you have a podcast episode about set how to plan your week and then you have a planner that goes with it that you can buy, like a $10 planner or something that goes with it, you should definitely put that on your landing page, on the page of the podcast player where people go to on your show notes, I guess I should say. For that case, I would probably want a sales objective because I want people who are more likely to become sales to make a purchase rather than someone who's just going to become a lead or just go into the page and checking it out. Okay, that's brilliant. So I'm just going to restate some of that for my own learning. So if kind of growing your list and growing your opt-ins are the most important, you're going to want a lead generation campaign. If you really just do want to make those sales and maybe, you know, your sales cycle shorter, it's an easier buy for people, you're going to go with the sales objective. 
And then if downloads and show growth generally are your goal, then you can take the least expensive option, which is going to be the traffic campaign on Facebook. Did I get that yes, pretty much right? Absolutely right. <laughs> that is a level of clarity I feel like I have been wanting for years. Thank you, you so much. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so this is kind of an example of that. There's a lot of misconceptions and a lot of misunderstandings about Facebook works. It's not the easiest learning curve in the entire world. But what are some like of the particularly egregious mistakes people make when they're getting into it? What are some ones that people should avoid? Definitely boosting posts. That is something Facebook that... asks me to do that all the time. It does. It makes it so tempting. It's like, ooh, don't you want to boost this post and get 600 more people to see it? This goes perfectly with the objective conversation we were just having. One of the objectives that you could also have in Facebook is engagement. Engagement is likes, comments, and shares. And honestly, engagement doesn't pay the bills, y'all. Like, I don't care how many people like it. I don't care how many people share it. I want to know, did someone become a lead? Did someone make a sale? Did someone like come into my marketing ecosystem somehow? Mm -hmm. So when you're boosting a post, the objective is engagement. You cannot change the objective there. When you're boosting a post, Facebook is just going to show your creative to people who are more likely to comment, like, and share. You also are limited on the audiences that you get to target. When you go to boost a post, you have very limited options for the audiences that you can show this to. You can show it to people who are similar to your followers. You can show it to maybe demographically, like people who live in a certain area. But when you're building ads and ads manager, which is at business.facebook.com, there's a whole meta business suite there that shows you like how to run ads. That's where you can see insights for your organic content. There's a ton of information in Meta Business Suite. That is the platform that you go into when you run ads from. And in there, you can run ads to custom audiences. For example, if you do have an email list that has over a thousand people on it, you can upload that email list directly into Facebook and say, hey, show this ad to people who are just like the people on my email list or show it to my people on my email list because maybe people are competing for your audience's attention, especially during Q4. People who are sending emails are going to send, go from sending one email a day to two emails a day or three emails a day. So as we move through Q4, you can run ads directly to just your email list, or you can create a lookalike off your email list of people who have similar behaviors and habits. You can create more custom audiences. You can retarget your website traffic. So if people are kind of like, say, if you decide you want to run ads with each of your new episodes, which is a lot, I would say, to do, I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. But let's say that you have a really great episode and you want to make sure that your customers or your clients in your world see it. You can do that. You can run ads to people who follow you on Instagram or people who have interacted with you on Instagram. But when you're boosting a post, you're very limited to the amount of audiences that you can choose because it's very limited on the objective. And it's just a low lift and a very cheap, like kind of dip your toe in to get yourself going with ads. I always recommend that you just avoid boosting posts mm -hmm. because like I said, I don't care how many people like the post. I want to know how many people are actually going to the landing page and consuming the content. Oh, I love that. This is another sort of pixel related question, but let's say I'm thinking about running Facebook ads, but I don't have room in my brain or on my calendar for it until next year, maybe start of Q2. Should mm -hmm. I set up the pixel now? Will yeah. it start collecting data? Okay, so Absolutely. immediately yes, set, up. set up your pixel right away. <laughs> <laughs> because what happens is when you install the pixel, so as I mentioned, it's that bridge, right? It's sending signals back and forth. So whether you're running ads or not, those signals are always kind of happening. What people are doing on your website, Facebook is always building a profile. And you can build an audience that says like, hey, here's my website traffic. Like I want an audience specifically of people who visited my website in the last 90 days. You can go all the way back to 180 days, I believe. You can say like, hey, let me create a custom audience of people who have visited my website over the last 180 days. And maybe you're doing some kind of special promotion where you want to make sure that you target your site visitors or people who listen to your podcast. Because if you're putting your podcast on your website, that counts as website traffic. 
You can even drill into specific pages. Like you can say, create an audience of people who have visited specifically my podcast page or individual specific URLs. Like you can say, the URL contains this or contains that, contains that. When you install your Pixel, it starts collecting that data. So whether you run ads or not, I definitely recommend installing the Pixel because then that means that you have even more data to work with. You know, if you start in Q2 of next year, you can still target people who visited your website from today until then. It starts from when you install that Pixel. Okay. So now I know what I'm doing once we get off this call. <laughs> <laughs> and if you need uh, research, let me know. I have a document that walks through how to install the Pixel. That's oh, I'd love for you to share that if you're willing to. Yeah, I'll share uh, that. I will make a note to send that to email it to you after we're done. That'd be great. And then anyone who's listening to this in the future, it'll be right around the body of this video where you're seeing it. <laughs> the question about creative. Have you noticed in your own work any particular best practices for calls to action or kind of the creative, the copy or the graphics that go with it? Yeah, definitely. So call to action is the easiest. So I'll talk about that first. Facebook does have an actual call to action button that says, listen now. That's the one that I use when I am running ads directly to a specific podcast episode. I'll say, listen now. That one's really good. You can use, I mean, learn more is a little vague. I always tell people with the call to action buttons, you are limited to what Facebook gives you. So like Facebook is only going to give you a certain, I think maybe it's like 10 or 15 options that you can choose from. But I say pick the one that's closest to the one that you want people to actually do. Because what I learned when I was working at Zappos, and we were spending millions of dollars, so we were doing a lot of testing. One of the things we were testing was shop now versus learn more. Literally 90% of the time when we were running these tests, if we wanted people to get more purchases for people that hit shop now for the ads that say shop now, then the ads that say learn more. That's one of the things that I took as a learning for myself, and I teach that to my students, in that... The call to action button should be as closest to the action that you want people to take. So if it's listen now, it's listen now. If it's download, download. So for example, when I create a lead magnet with my funnel series, the call to action there is download because I want people to download or sign up or something like that. Mm -hmm. I do make it so that people have to go through a landing page to be able to actually get that series so that I collect the lead. So that's call to action buttons. You're limited to what Facebook gives you, but pick something that's as close as possible. Not to say that Learn More doesn't work because Learn More does work. It can work. So like if you do want people to go to your landing page and check something out. Learn more is probably like the default. If I don't see anything else that fits, then I'll pick like learn yeah. more or something like that. But then with creative, this is my, I love to talk about creative. Yeah. One of the things you have to think about with creative is that with our attention spans, right? Our attention spans are about two seconds at this point. TikTok is probably making it even shorter. It's really hard to capture attention on social, very crowded landscape. But what you want to make sure that you're doing is infusing messaging within your creative. That's the first thing I talk about when I talk about creating ads. What is the message that resonates with your listeners that will bring them in to listen to this episode? I was talking to someone who also does like podcast production and she runs ads to her podcast, but she was saying, I just run ads, you know, saying like, hey, here's my podcast, go subscribe to it. And she was like, well, why are you running ads to specific episodes? And I said, because I want to get people in a specific mind frame. If I'm sending ads to an episode, like one of the podcast episodes I ran ads to was, why now is the perfect time to run Facebook ads? I want to capture someone who is right on that cusp of thinking like, should I be running Facebook ads right now or should I not be running Facebook ads right now? Rather than running ads to my podcast, which is Roadmap to One Million, which I am going to test. I am going to test running ads just specifically like, hey, here's my podcast, you know, subscribe, blah, blah, blah. I am going to test doing that. But I wanted to make sure that the messaging was connecting with people who are right on that fence of, should I be running ads right now? Should I not be? That's what I would say about creative is that you want to make sure that you're infusing that messaging. With the funnels series that I did, one of the ads, kind of the message in that was, 
you already have a funnel. You just don't know that you have a funnel because a lot of people think that they don't. But I'm like, if you're making sales, you have a funnel. Funnels are just a way for to move people from, I have no idea who you are to please take my money. That's what it is. What is that journey that people go on to actually buy from you? You already have a funnel, you just haven't defined yet. And that's a way to stick out because if I just say like, hey, download this, listen to this episode about funnels, it's like, well, why? Do I need a funnel? But what if I already have a funnel? It's just a little vague. So you want to make sure that you're infusing that message and you're using the language that your customers use or your clients use or your listeners use. You want to make sure, for example, I use the example like soda versus pop. Some people say pop, some people say soda. If you know your clients are soda people, then you want to say soda. Because if you say pop, they're going to be like, well, what is that? Then it's not going to resonate. Those kinds of things are definitely helpful when you think about messaging. And for creative, I like to use a mix of still images and videos. In my course, I teach people how to actually structure their video ads because video definitely helps to bring in a lot of build that know, like, and trust. You can pull like clips from your podcast. Maybe there's a really, really interesting message in there that really kind of hooks people. You can use that. If you don't record your podcast, like video, for example, you can use still images and then maybe put a caption over top of it or maybe pull a caption out of what you said, something that really grabs people's attention. But it should be very specific. It shouldn't just be, hey, listen to my podcast because it's the greatest thing since life spread. It should really talk about who is your podcast for, who benefits most from your podcast, what are the things that you talk about, who is it really for? Like my podcast, for example, is not for people who are just starting out in business. Like I'm not teaching you like marketing one-on-one. I'm not teaching you what is a landing page or what is a lead magnet. I teach people how to take their business to the next level. I teach people who already have something working. They're like, I have something that's working. I'm making sales, but I'm really trying to scale it and take it to the next level. That's who I talk to in my ad creative. Keeping in mind who you're talking to and what they care about, that's the best way to figure out what you actually should be saying in your actual ad creative. Thank you for being so overwhelmingly generous with your knowledge and your time here. A little follow-up question on the coffee and the creative. Have you noticed in testing, what makes a bigger difference? Is it going to be the graphic, the visuals, or is it the copy, or are they both equally important? Honestly, the copy is the most important. Yeah. I can give you an example that literally just happened to me recently. And this isn't like specific to a podcast, but this is just to illustrate the difference. I just did a live webinar earlier this week. So I was running ads to my live webinar. I had given myself a two, three week runway to run these ads. And I'm glad I did. And that's what I teach my students. And the reason is because the first week these ads were doing were crap. They were not converting. They were just like the click-through rate was very low. I wasn't getting a whole lot of leads. I was just like, what is happening? And I got frustrated. And I just was like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? I had to kind of like step out of the frustration and say like, okay, what is the data actually telling me? When I was looking at the data, the first thing I like to look at is my click-through rate. Because if people are not clicking on this ad, then they're not going to even have the opportunity to go to the landing page and actually fill this out. What I realized was that the click-through rate, and that's an indicator of creative. So your click-through rate is an indicator of, is this creative resonating with this particular audience? It wasn't resonating because my click-through rate was at like 0.5%. And I like to have a click-through rate of about 1% or higher. To me, if you're at 1% or higher, that's 1% is about average. Anything higher than 1%, that means you're pretty good. What happened, though, is that I'm not filming these ads again. <laughs> I'm not going to reshoot these ads, okay? But what I did is I literally just changed the copy. I changed the headline because one of the first things people see is the headline. I was looking at my analytics to see like, okay, which headline, which creative is actually performing the best? I went through there and I took out some headlines, reformatted that a little bit. And literally with the exact same creative, and exact same audiences, that click-through rate went from a 0.5% to a 3%. Then I see people were actually signing up for the landing page and I started to see the leads come through. 
just because I changed the copy. I didn't change anything about the video that was running. There was a still image running also. All of that was exactly the same. The only thing I changed was the headline. And I think I judged up the copy just a little bit on the body copy. And that made a tremendous impact. So I would definitely say, don't get too tripped up on the actual creative. The images that I use are literally just like from photo shoots that I've done, like business photo shoots. It's not necessarily a headshot. I use like more of a lifestyle image. So like there's one image that always converts for me. For some reason, it's just me sitting on a couch with my laptop. And that one just converts every time I run it, it converts. <laughs> so I use that image in all of the different campaigns. I run it till it stops working. Until I start to get to the point where I'm like, okay, people are sick of seeing this image. Then I will stop using it. But I just changed headlines. I changed copy and all that kind of stuff. So I would definitely say copy is the biggest indicator because the creative and the graphic is going to cause people to stop scrolling. The headline is going to also cause people to stop scrolling. But that body copy is what people are going to actually look at to determine whether they actually want to click on the ad and go to the next page. I can practically hear all of the copywriters in the audience going, we told you. (laughs) It's definitely the copy, for sure. Honestly, and I like teaching my course, I teach people how to use ChatGPT for copy to really kind of get headlines and body copy, at least giving you a starting point, because that's the thing. Sometimes people are kind of lost because they don't have a starting point. But if you're going in through ChatGPT and saying, like, give me some Facebook ad headlines, that can help you to get some really good inspiration for what you should be posting. And then you start to run some things. And the more you run stuff, the more you actually see the data. And you say like, oh, this headline is working really, really well on this particular ad. Let me actually take this headline and apply it to some other ad creative. Or adding emojis to headlines also helps really because it kind of helps to make it stick out from the feed. I use emojis in my body copy also. And ChatGPT, sometimes they go emoji crazy. So you might have to like bring it back in. Because <laughs> I'm like, we don't need an emoji after every single word. So sometimes you got to rein it in a little bit. But emojis are good. And that's if your audience, like I'm very much, when I talk to my people, I use emojis. So it fits with my brand. If you're someone who does not use emojis, don't just throw a bunch of emojis in there just to stick out. You want to make sure that it's on brand for what you're talking about and with who you are and how you present. But Using emojis, those kinds of things definitely help to make things stick out. But I would definitely put a more emphasis on the copy instead of getting yourself tripped up with like, I'm not a good writer because I don't think of myself as a good writer. But I just go to chat GPT and it can give me a starting point and then I can take that and then I can judge it up and make it my own. I love it. All things being equal, do you have a picture of a person in your Yes. Community? Yes. <laughs> definitely. Does it have to be you or could you use stock photography for the introverts out there? Yeah. So I have a client. She argued me down that people did not want to see her in her videos and in her ads. She argued me down. I said, let's try it. So we literally had a video, the same exact video script, one of her talking, just talking to the camera. It was her doing a voiceover. So like she had somebody do stock stuff. Like it was stock yeah, photos. B-roll, B-roll like, style, yeah. And so we had like a video without her in it at all. And then we had a video where it was like a combo where it was like some visual and then it was cuts to her talking and stuff like that. And literally the video of her just talking to her people was always performed the best. That's why I tell people, I'm like, I get that we're like introverts and stuff like that. So maybe just use a still image of you. Like use a nice photo from a photo shoot that you may have done from a business photo shoot. Or if you have some really good clear photos, that's the thing I just want to make sure like you can take photos on your phone, but just make sure it's very clear. It's sized correctly. But the image that converts best for me is literally just me. Like I said, I'm looking at the camera. I'm sitting there like sleeping. (laughs) And honestly, what you can do is if you go to Facebook's ads library, you can see anybody's ads that are running. You can search for one. If you know your competitors are running ads, you can go because this is a part of Facebook's page transparency, whole Cambridge Analytica, whole scandal thing. From that, they have made things more transparent. So you can see any page that's running ads. 
you can go to their page. You can see the ads that they're running. Or you can go to ads library. Just search for ad for Facebook ads library because it's like adslibrary.facebook.com. But just search that and then you can type in my name and you can see my business page and you'll see the ads that I have running. Or you can do that with your competitors. You can do that to get inspiration. I just taught a workshop to some restaurant owners earlier this week and we were just going through and looking at local small businesses. So we were looking at ads for like Yard House and Red Robin and Olive Garden and some of these Mm -hmm. bigger brands. We have these big budgets for just inspiration, right? Like you can take a look in there and see inspiration because it doesn't necessarily mean that something is performing really well. If you go to someone's business page and you go to like page transparency and you got to find it, but going to the ads library is a lot more straightforward because then you can just type in somebody's name. You can even type in topics. You don't even have to type, see somebody specifically their ads. You can say like restaurants and it'll pull up all ads that mention restaurants. You can do like podcasts and you just search in there. But I just want to make sure you have caveat to say, just because something is running does not mean it's performing. Does not mm-hmm. mean that it's actually getting someone meeting their business objectives. So use it for inspiration, but don't take it as this is what I have to actually create. Amazing. Well, you've given us so much information. Just as a last thing, you've mentioned your course a couple of times. Could you just share a little bit about it and then where people can find you generally? Yeah, definitely. So my course is called Maximize with Ads. It is all about how to run your own Facebook and Instagram ads. I have always been an in-house marketer. And for us, meaning I've worked for the brands that I've been doing marketing for. And I love to be able to work with people who want to build their own in-house marketing teams or have people on their team that actually can have multiple skill sets. That's really who the course is for. It's for you if you want to run your own ads, if you have a team, you want them to run ads for you. And it's really for the specifically like online coaches, online service providers, consultants, people in that kind of space who need to generate leads and who need to generate sales. And because I really want to make sure that the course is very focused on what we have, on what you actually need. And now I'm actually working on specific strategy cards for different niches. So strategy cards specifically for podcasters. This is what I'm doing on my podcast ads. Here's how you recreate that. I'm also creating some for like people who do sales calls. So it's like, how do you actually move people from a Facebook ad to an actual sales call? Those kinds of different things are actually on our roadmap. In October, we're doing a big refresh of the course and putting a whole lot of new, awesome stuff in there, especially for podcasts, because I'm starting to attract a lot more podcasters and people who like me are just like, hey, like I love what I do and I love creating content, but I also have a life and I also don't want to be having to talk about having to share the podcast episode that came out three months ago that's really, really good, that's still getting some downloads, I want to be able to amplify that and put the light that thing on fire. And so that's really who the course is for. And we have support also. So we have actually office hours right after this. I meet with my students where they can come on and ask me questions. We have a Facebook group where there's a bunch of people in there that are not poo-pooing ads. They're like team ads. Yes, we love ads. (laughs) And so that's what the course is all about. I have a podcast called Roadmap to One Million. It comes out weekly. We post episodes every Tuesday. You can also find me online. My name all around these internet streets are at stacyzeal.co. That's also my website as well, S-T-A-C-Y-Z-E-A-L.co. And that's where you can get access to the course. So if you go to my site, stacyzeal.co slash maximize, that is where you can actually watch my workshop where I go deep about Facebook ads and the strategy and my framework and all that kind of good stuff. And you can really kind of learn what is the process. What does it look like? What do you need to have in place first? We talk about funnels. We talk about messaging, all that kind of good stuff. So I would definitely say start by watching my workshop and that'll actually lead you into grabbing the course. I love it. Thank you so much.
there is little that is more inspiring than getting to learn directly from experts. And if you'd like to continue this conversation with Stacey, you can next week at the Podcasting for Business Conference, where she will be giving an even more in-depth presentation on how to strategically use Facebook ads for your podcast. It will be a presentation absolutely not to be missed, and I hope that we see you there. You can register for your ticket at pfbcon.com. That's pfbcon.com. As always, I've been your host, Megan Doherty, and the company show is produced by the entire team at One Stone Creative. Can't wait to talk to you next time. I hope you're having a great day.